It's been a year since Biden took office. There's still no student loan debt forgiveness. BBB is done. And voting rights are a bust. Hey, girls and guys, it's Brandy with an I, and you're listening to Did You Hear the News? What's up? What's up? Back at it again to talk about the mess. And what a absolute mess it has been. I think the last time I spoke to you guys, Afghanistan withdrawal had happened. And baby, things have definitely gone down. Since the last podcast. Uh, just so you guys know what happened. If you know me personally. I got a, a dog. A puppy. Uh, in September. And she's taken over my entire life. I'm actually doing this right now. While she's at the groomers. So that's that. So anyways. That's why I was gone. But don't think I ever stopped looking at the news. Because never. I never stopped looking at the news. I also continue to do daily updates. Monday through Friday. On Facebook, on the page, did you hear the news? Same as the podcast. So if you ever feel like you're missing out on me, you can always find me there. But I'm trying to pick this podcast back up, y'all, because ish is real. So let's see, where do we start? Let's go back to last year. And we won't dwell on it long, but let's return. So after... The president was able to finally pass the infrastructure bill. Remember the bipartisan infrastructure bill that we discussed that they went back and forth on. Uh, They had like 10 senators working with 10 Democrats and they were hashing it all out. And then they finally got it together and they were like, yes, let's do this thing. And it passed in the Senate and it went to the House. And the issue there was the House progressives, rightfully so, were like, hey, these need to happen together. Because if these don't happen together, and by these, I mean the infrastructure bill and the Build Back Better bill, the BBB, uh, which included all of those things like uh, money for healthcare workers, the extended child tax credit, uh, pay family leave, all of that stuff. Progressives were like, listen, we know who we're working with. If we don't do these together, if we don't couple these together, BBB's never gonna be, it's never gonna go through. Now, if you recall, I feel like I reported to you guys that they had a top line of 3.5, right? So remember, Bernie came out and he was and he was all like, yay, we got a deal. Like everybody's in on it. Even the Joe Manchins of the world is on in on this 3.5 trillion. Because remember, at first it was 10. And then it went to six. And then they were like, 3.5. That's that's all we can get, 3.5. So they went to work. They started going in, trying to get the bill together, all this stuff. So They got that together. And then once the infrastructure bill came over, wouldn't you know, 
our favorites, Joe Manchin and Kristen Cinema, and I mean that sarcastically. We're like, wait, what? Uh-huh. 3.5? Oh, what? And it was crazy, right? Because everybody was like, wait, what do you mean? Like, we thought we were good here. And so there was back and forth. I mean, back and forth and back and forth and back and forth for weeks, weeks. Like, finally, Joe Manchin was like, I can't support anything more than like $1.75 trillion. And everybody was like, why didn't you say that? And then we find out, right, that Chuck Schumer actually had a letter from Joe Manchin from July where Joe Manchin was like, nah, I can't do nothing higher than $1.75. But he didn't say nothing. But neither did Joe Manchin. So that's when I was really confusing because I was like, why would you... Like, why would you never say at least once, well, by the way, I said this to Chuck. Like, Chuck knew where I was coming from from jump, so I don't even know, like, I don't even know why he's tripping. I don't know if he was trying to remain cordial, but I'm like, why would you leave the other people in the dark that are trying to negotiate with you when you've already made it clear that you can only support 1.75 at the same time chuck schumer why didn't you tell these guys listen y'all know mansion is hard he's a tough cookie to crack he already told me like why was there no communication this is stuff i don't like right why was there no communication like why are we going back and forth why is it months and months and months of the same thing trying to negotiate to make this the joe mansion bill back better bill so he'll approve of it, right? So it got to the point where it was so bad. It was like they have progressive members on and then they'd have moderate members on and then somebody'd have Joe Manchin on. And then it got to the point where Joe Manchin and the POTUS were, you know, Biden, were actually having meetings themselves, trying to go back and forth, trying to see what he wants. Because what was really frustrating to people is that like they were like, we don't know what Joe Manchin and Kristen Cinema, Kirsten Cinema want. Like, what do they want? We know what they say they don't support, but what do they support? What are they okay with? Can we, I mean, and this is after, remember now, we've gone from 10, 10 trillion to 6 trillion to 3.5 trillion. And now he's saying he can only accept 1.75. So at this point, like, the bill has been pared down so many different ways. Like they decided not to do like 10 years on some things. And then it was just really crazy. And then Joe Manchin would do this really frustrating thing where he'd be like, well, I'm not going to support anything that adds a deficit. Um, And I need to see the CBO score, which is like this group of like people I guess who do financial stuff who like will put together like who will sit and look at something and say like okay well this bill is likely to add this much to the deficit right so he was like I need to see the CBO score and then the CBO score came out and they were like yeah it's gonna add trillions of dollars to the deficit but then the Biden administration was like well that's because you didn't include like the money that we would recoup from like taxes like raising taxes on millionaires and billionaires and trillionaires and 
actually, you know, putting money into the IRS so they can go after people who cheat taxes. So CBO doesn't include that. They never do, apparently. So they didn't include that in this bill, right? But this is what Joe Manchin is saying, like, I can't support it because it's going to add a deficit. Then on top of that, which was really strange, right? Remember I told you that they cut the time frame for some of these. So Joe Manchin was like, well, what's real concerning to me is like right now it's only for a few years, but what would it cost for 10? And it's like, my dude, it would have costed the 3.5 that we originally talked about. But you said you couldn't do that. So we took it down a notch to like half of that. And now you're talking about what happens if it's 10 years. Like, And all of this was going on and everybody was frustrating, frustrating. And then finally it just reached ahead. And Joe Manchin went on the Sunday shows. <laughs> Here's the thing about the Sunday shows. I feel like the Sunday show is the day in which networks that might like lean a little like left or whatever or will like bring in the competing voices like the republicans like a lot of times you'll see like on sundays there might be republicans on the sunday shows or like joe manchin will come on the sunday show and they'll be like joe what the f were you doing this week and then he gets a chance to lay out all his bs so he did a sunday show with somebody and he said i uh, no not just somebody he went on the Sunday show on Fox News and said, I just can't get there. I just can't support it. Now, this is after the White House was like, yeah, we've been working with Joe. Like, we are super duper confident we can get somewhere. Like, we've talked. This is after they basically redid the whole bill to Joe Manchin's liking. I mean, the climate stuff that he didn't really care for or whatever. He claimed he just could not get behind paid family leave being in there. He also said that working should be a requirement of paid family leave. And everybody was like, you know, that's where you get paid family leave from is your employer, right? Just all this stuff, all this back and forth. And then he goes on the Fox News Sunday show and says, I can't get behind it, which was like, it was a it was a middle finger to the Biden administration. It was a, like you you already know you already that's the last place you you should have told him that when you saw him not on the Sunday Show on Fox. So at that point it was like okay, we continue to dislike this man, but then it comes out. <laughs> it was reported that the reason that he went on the Sunday Show and was like deaded the whole thing is because he was upset like he had got his feelings hurt by someone on the staff at the white house and that's why he and i was like this is we're dealing with children children that's what we're dealing with so that's how bbb i won't say died but it definitely was put on the shelf right before Christmas because they were trying to do this vote the week of Christmas and it just all fell apart. So they were like, okay, you know what? We're going to come back bigger, better, and stronger in the new year. Now this is already after the president 
has just been facing so much stuff, low approval ratings for things that he can control and things that he can't control. There's inflations at a 40-year high. There's a new variant since the last time I talked to y'all. Like Delta was doing what she had to do, but then Omicron was like, hold my beer, honey. Easily more spreadable, more infectious, just like came through, blew through all of Christmas. Everybody was sick. I was sick. I might have had it, but I kept testing negative. I didn't know what it was. Haven't been sick in years, but I feel like you knew somebody or you had Omicron because Omicron has been that girl, honey. Okay. She put on her walking boots and she has walked all over us. So I understand people are unhappy with Biden. I'm not too pleased with him myself. I think you guys know from listening to past shows that like there have been a lot of things that have frustrated me about Biden. A lot of them are like him not keeping campaign promises. Like these student loans still in my account, baby. They're still in my account. They were trying to get us to pay back these student loans at the beginning of the year with a new variant. Jen Psaki's over there talking about our biggest priority. Is trying to work with, you know, the debt collectors so they can pick these debts back up at the beginning of the year. And I was like, that's your biggest, your biggest priority when another variant is crip walking through the Americas. Your biggest priority is student loan repayments. I know, it was crazy to me. But yeah, so like people are not happy. So <laughs> your boy Biden was like, listen. I'm going to do a press conference. And y'all know y'all, the, the media has been complaining and complaining and complaining about this man not doing a press conference. So this man said, I'm going to show y'all want a press conference. I'm going to show y'all a press conference. In the longest presidential press conference in the history of ever, President Joe Biden discussed many a thing. And took many a question for almost two hours. I think the running time was like an hour and 54 minutes. But I was like, don't complain. Don't complain now because y'all said he wasn't talking to the media enough. Now he's talking too much. And y'all already know that Joe talked long. Like, so that's why I'm like, don't complain because y'all know he talked long. You need to ask the right question so you can make sure you get the answer you want because he's going to talk. So he did not disappoint at this press conference as far as talking because he will do that. Um, but he did touch on a lot of things. He touched on um, the Russia and Ukraine issues that are going on. If you guys are not familiar, uh, Russia is right on the border of Ukraine, baby. They got troops all along them borders. They got troops on other sides in other countries. And everybody's just waiting on Russia to invade Ukraine. Uh, they've done it before, more than once, if I'm not mistaken. So everybody's kind of just waiting on that. But in the meantime, the Biden administration has been trying to work with both of them to de-escalate. Now, has that worked? Mm, not necessarily. But they have been talking ongoing. So the issue is that Russia is like, listen, we don't want Ukraine to join NATO. And U.S. is like, listen... We're not going to guarantee you that. Like, they're their own country. They should have the chance to join NATO. Like, we're not going to stop them from that. And we're going to have their back because that's what we do. 
Um, I'm sure that's not like the only issue, but that's part of the issue. So, and Vladimir Putin wants control over everything. So anyways, uh, so they have been working on that. Uh, now, it didn't help that at the press conference, <laughs> President Biden was like, he was asked what he thought was going to happen. And he was very realistic in saying that he believed that Putin was definitely going to invade. Like, that's just what he thought. He, as a person who knows Putin and knows how he works and knows that he's wishy-washy and how he gets up out of the bed determines basically how he feels. I think he actually said something to that effect. So he was like, he, he, I really think they're going to invade. Now, this is the part that really angered a lot of people, Ukraine included. He said something to the effect of whether it's a like full-on invasion or a minor incursion. Like, that's going to dictate how we act. <clears throat> yeah, Ukraine did not like that. Because Ukraine and a lot of people felt like that was them telling Russia, go ahead and do it. And I don't think that's what he was trying to say. I think he was trying to say, like, the manner in which we take action is going to be proportionate. But some people are like, listen, no kind of incursion is small. Like, nothing that they do should be seen as small Everything that they do should be seen as a big deal. And I don't think he was trying to downplay it. I think he was just trying to say like small incursion would mean something like a cyber attack or something like that. Which once again, still I don't think it's small. Like that can be a really huge deal. A cyber attack depending on what they attack. Y'all already saw how they was coming through tearing up our system. So uh, yeah, they did not like that. And so he had to clean that up. So a lot of other things he had to clean up from the press conference. Because once again, y'all know Joe talks long and sometimes he don't really be thinking about what he said not like the last president not like the last president now the last president would come out and say anything i think joe his issue is that he sometimes says exactly what he's thinking and it also doesn't give me context so we did see like the last presidency uh a lot of the white house kind of trying to clean up statements uh to the effect of also like he mentioned something like voting Someone asked about voting rights, which we will touch on later in the show. And, you know, what they're doing about that. And he basically said something to the effect of, like, if we aren't able to get this legislation through, many people are going to think that, you know, the next election is not um, legitimate. Now... I think you and I and anyone else who knows what's going on in the context of, you know, voting rights and what's happening in the states, we understood kind of what he meant. But then people were like, that's kind of dangerous of you to say, given that number one, the last president is still saying that this election was stolen from him. And if you're telling people they can't trust the election or the voting process, like, what are you doing? I don't think that's what he was saying, but I think he should not say it. I think he should not say it. I think he was just trying to say that people are going to feel like the election's not legitimate because they probably won't be able to partake in the voting like they were able to do in 2020 when it was so easy because COVID came through and there were drop boxes and there was all this stuff, but now they're taking away drop boxes and they're taking away polling places and all that stuff. And it might be harder for people of color to vote. And I think that's what he was trying to say. Uh, but he is president of the United States and he needs to he needs to pick his words more wisely. Uh, he was asked about the fact that black people feel like he let 
us down. And he was like, he always has our backs. And I was like, oh, I don't see it. I got to be honest with y'all, I don't see it. You still have not canceled these student loans. And we already know that disproportionately black people, people of color are affected by these student loans and this student loan debt. And I don't know why he keeps thinking that him getting rid of student loan debt is going to disproportionately affect rich people. People with money don't necessarily need to take out debts for school. It's poor people. So I don't I don't even get that. Like why what are you talking about, Ivy League students? If a if a student went to an Ivy League school and they needed student loans, it's probably because they're poor. I don't I mean, y'all tell me if I'm wrong, I might be wrong. I'm pretty sure there might be rich people. There might be people who didn't have money when they needed to go to school and then they got rich. That might be true, but most people that took out loans for school was poor people. Why is that? Because y'all told us that we had to go to school to get the good jobs. And that the good jobs was going to pay off the loans. And now here we are, still paying off loans. And we're poor. I don't I don't get it. I don't get it. And then you try to bring back student loan payments in the midst of a new variant. I, I, just, I don't know. I'm going to be honest with you, Joe. I don't know what your strategy is. Because he claims he wants to run for re-election. He claims Kamala is going to be his running mate. I need to know the strategy. Because you're not up, you're not withholding or upholding any of the promises you made. I mean, it's still up in the air about them, them, uh, them checks. Because y'all are still upset about that $1,400 check to supplement that $600. And I'm just thinking, maybe y'all... Didn't understand what they were saying, but I know y'all knew they weren't going to get y'all $2,000 on top of $600. Anyways, so yeah, I got my feelings about Joe Biden and how he's doing in his presidency. I think it could be better. For example, COVID. Y'all might not like me saying this, but I don't think that this administration is handling COVID that much better than the last one. Hear me out. Hear me out. Okay. Now, to be fair, they're not pretending COVID is fake. Like the last administration, they're not pretending that it's deadly. Like the last administration, they're not just straight up calling it a hoax like the last administration. They're not telling you not to wear masks. They're not telling you not to get vaccinated. But at the same time, as an administration who claims they understand how serious COVID is and all of that, they're not doing what needs to be done. The In America, the main focus is staying open and keeping the economy great. The, and the economy is booming, right? The economy is booming, but the people are still poor. Why is the economy booming? That's because millionaires and billionaires got like a combined like trillion or so more dollars in the pandemic. So yeah, uh, the economy looks great because the corporations are doing fine. But the people are still poor. The people are still out of work. The people are still trying to figure out getting their kids back to school. The people are still trying to figure out you know, child care because there's not going to be any universal pre-care or child care. So 
what are you doing, Joe? What are you doing? We don't have, and they they just put up the website for the at-home test. They just made it so that your insurance can reimburse you for the at-home test. But I think I just read something saying like Medicaid or Medicare is not going to cover them. It's like, what? Like, what are y'all doing? You should have been sending out tests or you should have been making it better as far as testing. When Omicron started ripping and running through and people were talking about they were in line for two hours to take tests, like what? Here in Florida where people have governors who don't care, who don't want us to get tested, who feel like testing only hurts their numbers. So they're just like, we're not going to test you. We don't have any statewide testing sites. You need to send us some federal sites up. I'm tired, Joe. I'm tired. And I'm just like, what are you doing? What are you doing better? Y'all could have been sent out masks. They're about to start doing that. Y'all could have been sent out masks. Y'all could have been sending out these tests if y'all already knew that like they were good to go and people could have been using them. That should have been happening before Omicron. So then when Omicron came around, we could have been abreast of what was going on and people could have had tests at the house. Then you talking about you only sending four tests. And I saw people say, oh, it's never good enough. It's just... But think about it like... I live in one apartment with a roommate and we have to split four tests between us. And sure, I'm sure we can make that work. But what happens when you have two parents, three, four, five kids, or a multi-generational house, or a multi-family home, and you can only get four tests per address? That don't make sense. Now you got a ration test. Which one of us has symptoms first, basically? And if anybody got symptoms in the house, you can stay at the house. But you know what I'm saying? That doesn't make sense when you're telling people, CDC, that they should basically quarantine for five days and then go back to work. Like, that doesn't make sense, right? Because how do I know that I'm not still sick? All my tests have been used. See how it don't make sense? Like, none of it makes sense. And CDC, I'm telling y'all, baby, I don't know what y'all were doing. I have no idea what y'all were doing. I'm not a pro by any means, but even I feel like I could run this better. I don't even know what to tell y'all. Y'all are the smart ones. Y'all understand the math and the science. I don't even understand how y'all could fudge it this bad. Is it because you don't have, like, communication, people's socialization skills? I don't, I don't know. Like, do you not have any sociologists? working with y'all to help y'all with the message because the whole issue was back in like what was it may last year when y'all was like if you're vaccinated take off your mask like why would you do that as a as a three times vaccinated person why would y'all do that because you already knew oh well well, we're gonna go off the honor system ain't no honor here ain't no honor here ain't no honor in america you had already seen the people cutting the food in the streets about wearing masks in general. Yeah, you thought them same people was going to be like, oh, I'm... darn, I'm not vaccinated. I guess I got to wear a mask. What? Are you crazy? And there's nobody like falling by, unless you live in a place like New York or somewhere that had already put together like mandates in which you had to be vaccinated to even go to certain establishments. Nobody's going in behind these people to make sure they're actually vaccinated. Nobody's doing that. 
So I'm like, CDC, what are you doing? So that just that just broke the floodgates, honey. All hell broke loose because at that point, everybody was like, well, then we might as well just keep living. And then Delta came. And then it was like, well, Delta is just, you know, I don't understand because why would I need to get vaccinated if you got a vaccine and it's just, it should help you, right? Why are you mad at what I do if you got vaccinated? And it's just like, I know that we've all been living during the same pandemic for almost three years now. I don't understand how y'all don't understand. Even if you get vaccinated, apparently now you can absolutely get breakthrough cases. It's likely to keep you out of the hospital and keep you from dying, but you can absolutely get sick. You can also get long COVID. Who wants long COVID? There are people who got COVID the first round, her her first dosey do that are still having symptoms. Y'all know that was in 2020, right? Y'all know it's 2022 and we're almost on year two. Like, are y'all crazy? Are y'all crazy? I don't, I don't even understand y'all. I don't even understand y'all. And then it's like, oh, it's every time you look up, it's a new variant. It's just, it's always something to scare people. It's like, no, it's a new variant because y'all not getting vaccinated. And here, if y'all don't want to get vaccinated, that's fine. That's a-okay, right? But then you also don't want to wear a mask and you also don't want to social distance and you also don't want to stay at the house so what are we doing what are we doing baby as long as you're doing that we're going to keep having variants we're never going to get rid of covid as long as you want to keep doing that i'm not here to tell you that you have to get a vaccine and once again y'all already know i tell you to talk to your doctors first but if you are dead set against it don't try to make it seem like the people who are tracking the science are the ones who are trying to bamboozle you it it has been known since 2020 that variants are a possibility and a concern and the concern is that if enough people don't get vaccinated the variants will continue to variant and then the vaccinations will be obsolete we saw that with omicron it was like you better get boosted it's not going to keep you from getting it, but it'll give you a better chance. And it also give you a better chance from getting really sick. Praise be, they say Omicron is a little bit milder. However, mild COVID is still COVID. And apparently it's not fun, still. So it's just like, that's one of those things that annoy me. That's one of those things that y'all are blaming Joe Biden for. And I'm like, that one's on you. Now, to be fair, he could do better with testing. He could have done better with masking. He could do better with getting that CDC together and putting them together them guidance. But at the same time, y'all are part of the reason why we are still in this thing. Y'all don't want to get vaccinated. Y'all don't want to wear a mask. Y'all don't want to social distance. Y'all don't want to do nothing to help mitigate COVID. And then the Republicans who have made it not cool to wear a mask and to get vaccinated and all of that stuff are saying, well, what's Biden doing? He said he was going to end it. Are y'all crazy? Y'all are crazy, right? You're crazy. Anyways, Joe, call me. Call me. I have some things. I have some things I want to get off my chest. And I also have some suggestions of things we can do better. Baby girl Kamala. 
I don't know what they got you doing. I don't know what they got you doing. I don't know if it's helping anything. I don't I haven't seen you. We've barely seen you. Now, to be fair, when people say, oh, where's Kamala? She's not doing anything. Normally, you are doing things. And they just don't know that you're doing things because they don't follow the news. But at the same time, it's like, baby girl, what they got you doing? And Bakari Sellers was on numerous networks telling people he feels like they gave his girl Kamala the short end of the stick. And I can kind of see where he's coming from. Like, he gave her immigration and voting rights. Two things that I feel like, let's let's put this on the table. Joe Biden is still living in the yesteryear of the Senate. He's a man of the Senate. That was his stomping ground for about 30 years. So he knows these people. He feels like his personal relationships with these people will get him farther than say a president Obama or uh anyone else would but but at the same time like these are different these are different people Donald Trump came through and just flipped everything as we knew on its head these people are not the same okay that was that was okay when you had a president like Bush who was like, I'm going to come and if it up for eight years. And then when I get out of office, peace. I'm going into hiding. I'm going to be down on my ranch in Texas. Don't ask me for nothing. But no, no, no. We're dealing with a president who lost, who still won't admit that he lost, who still talks junk to people, who didn't support him who voted for impeachment who voted to convict like he has all the smoke for everybody continuous he doesn't stop and these people are still scared of him they're still doing what he asked they're still doing his bidding even today these are not the same people joe and somebody at the press conference said well you know it's so interesting that you pretend to be so surprised that Republicans aren't working with you guys. Like you were vice president when Barack Obama was president and they said that they were going to stop everything that he did. And Joe Biden was just like, yeah, you know, I know these people though. Like I've known them for years and I just think it's like so crazy. And I'm like, will you? Open your eyes and see that these people don't care about anything. But getting back in power and keeping the power that they have and then getting more power. I don't I don't know what he sees. Joe, if I had to give you a grade for your first year, it had to be a C. It had to be a C. I'm not going to discount the fact that you have gotten two big pieces of legislation through. That American Rescue Plan was a big deal. That infrastructure was a big deal. Even though it was watered down pretty much because it had to become a bipartisan infrastructure bureau. So that Kirsten Cinema could look good. So that when she went to continuously tear down everything else, she could say, well, I know the bipartisan infrastructure bill. Anyways, those are big deals. Those are big deals. BBB would be a super huge deal. I mean, who would not want a cap on the price of insulin? Who would not want to pay $35 for insulin instead of like $1,000 a month? Who wouldn't want it? That would be a huge deal. But I just feel like 
And once again, they also asked him why he's so optimistic. And I'm not going to fault the man for being optimistic. But what I will say is that I feel like your optimism is at like our detriment. Because black and brown and people of color are really out here trying to make it. And they're trying to take away all our rights. Voting rights. Abortion rights. Soon for LGBTQ community, it's probably going to be the right to get married. Like they're coming for our rights. And y'all know I don't like to sound like an alarmist, but it's like if it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck. That's probably a duck. So I'm just like, I'm with I'm with him. Like I get you're optimistic. You probably have to be to do the job because baby let me tell y'all how tired i've been i haven't even been doing this podcast but i have been tired because these people are tiring it is draining to care about what's going on in this nation and this world so it's like i get you might want to have to keep that optimism to keep you straight but i also want you to be realistic i want you to be realistic joe that's going to be my suggestion to you be realistic Because I think that'll get us where we need to go. Be realistic about COVID. It's going terrible, Joe. It's going terrible. And you can be you can do better. And he did say he did agree that he could have they could have got they could have got tests out earlier and they're doing it now. They could have did a lot of things better. So do better. At this point, you've admitted your faults. You need to do better. That's my suggestion. Kamala girl. Don't let them give you busy tasks just to make it look like you're doing work that you can never, that they already know that you can almost never really succeed in. Voting rights, that wasn't even up to you, baby girl. That weren't even up to you. Like, they know that. Immigration, that's not really up to you either. Like, everything that is going on right now is extra exacerbated by the fact that we are literally in a global pandemic. And when there was, you know, shipping problems, it was Biden's fault. But I'm like, this is a global thing. This is like, he can't control what goes on in the UK or in China where they ship. Like, he can't. Now, the ports here in the US. Maybe he can do something. And he did, from my understanding, the things that he could do for items domestically. But as far as global, we can't. Like, we're in a pandemic. For a while, things were shut down. And then things came back. And people had a little bit more money. And apparently, we went from more of like a services society to wanting goods. So then the goods we want, everybody's buying them. And then there's shortages like cars. Let's talk about cars. There was a chip shortage for cars. And the chips weren't getting manufactured. But people are still buying cars because they need cars. They got extra money in their pocket, maybe from stimulus, maybe for the fact that they have been working from home and they haven't had to go to work. People want to buy cars. They can't get cars because there's a chip shortage. Now, that's not President Biden's fault. And then the cars that are left over, guess what? The price is going to go up because there are a few cars, but the demand's really high. That's not President Biden's fault. So I get it. But at the same time, he need to do better. I give him a C. 
I give him a C. I mean, this year is a midterm year. If I were him, baby, I'm going to tell you, I'd be doing all the things. I'd be writing them darn executive. I would be clearing all the student loan debt. I don't know how many times I got to say that. I'd be clearing the student loan debt I'd be like, I need y'all vote for me. I need, I'm going to clear up the debt. I'd be doing all the things, but he's just acting like, girl, like, I guess. And I'm like, dang, like, do you not? Do you not want to win the midterms? Like, you're not doing anything. You're not doing anything to help those Democrats in those races. You are not. Um, but, I mean, there's Beto who has announced he's running for governor in Texas. Yes, love Beto. Beto is the one who was doing the phone banking in Texas when the power went out and Elderly people actually called and that was really cool. You were able to like call people and say, hey, like, are you good? Do you have electricity? Do you not have electricity? Do you know where to get information from? Do you know who to go to? It was really cool. Beto O'Rourke and um, Power the People set that up. He was doing the work. I don't know what the heck Abbott was doing and Ted Cruz went to Cancun, as you know. So support Beto O'Rourke. Stacey Abrams is running in Georgia. Thank goodness. Uh, we got to get Brian Kemp out of there. Uh, running against Brian Kemp is Dave Perdue. I don't know if you guys recall Dave Perdue, but he was the, the senator in Georgia that was defeated by John Ossoff, who we love. And um, he was one of those ones that got that information and then dumped his stocks inside of training. That's what that's called. Well, he's running against uh, Brian Kemp because, you know, Donald Trump don't like Brian Kemp because Brian Kemp wouldn't do a special session to come in and try to get him the votes that he needed to be the winner of the election in Georgia. So that's a hot mess. That's Republican mess. I'll let them handle that. But so Stacey Abrams is running. Y'all already know we stand Stacey Abrams. Then in uh, here in Florida, you have Val Demings, who's running against Marco Rubio. Uh, you also have uh, Alan Ellison, who was on my show before, who's running against Marco Rubio. You have Nikki Fried and Charlie Chris, I think is his name. I probably got it so wrong. Both running for governor. Uh, Chris Christ, I can't remember how to say his last name, but he actually was the governor of Florida before. He used to be a Republican, but is now a Democrat. But Nikki Fried has been putting in the work, okay? She's the only, like, state-elected Democrat, um, and she's doing the work, okay? And our governor went missing for a few weeks, had put out all these excuses. You know, his wife actually has breast cancer. And then next thing you know, he and his wife were at a big church thing where he got a uh, award for freedom for allowing churches to still have church. Like so weird. And his wife was there without a mask on, but she's supposed to be going through breast cancer treatment. I do with that information what you must. I'm just saying, we got people that are running, good people in all the states, in all the races. Put your money, put your money to the side and, and support some of these people. I mean, because they're gonna need the help. If the Democrats are gonna do anything, if the Democrats are gonna do anything that's not gonna be ruined by mansion and and cinema, and we have to get some more Democrats in. And then on top of that, it's like this is the perfect way to segue into voting rights. 
because y'all knew we were going to get here. The issue is how do we elect the officials that we want to see the change for us if so many states are enacting voting restrictive laws that will prevent people from voting it's just a hot mess so hours after president biden gave his speech on or his his press conference uh the house started debating or they were debating while the speech was going on i believe so the house started debating earlier in the day that went on for hours of course um, and so technically here was what Chuck was trying to do. So when BBB got put on the shelf, they were like, okay, let's take a beat. Let's go for voting rights, right? Because at this point, like they're getting major pushback from the heavy hitting blacks in the community. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. son was like, we're not even playing with y'all if y'all don't try to do something about voting rights. Like, don't be trying to say my daddy name. And then don't do nothing for voting rights. I think that was more his daughter that said something along the lines. Either way, they were like, listen, Martin Luther King Day is coming up. We don't want to hear them empty promises. We want to see action because Biden actually gave a speech in Georgia about a week or so before MLK Day. And the voting rights activist groups, they were like, we're not going. We're sick and tired of being sick and tired. We have begged y'all to do something about this. The Texas Democrats fled Texas for weeks. And their voting restrictive, restrictive voter laws have just passed. They're like, we're sick of these empty words and gestures. We want action. So Chuck was like, we're going to do it. We're going to bring it for a vote. The week of MLK week. So this was his plan. Chuck was like, here's the thing. We need to pass these bills. But we know that Republicans will not support it. So we need to be able to pass it along party lines. That means we need to change the rules of the filibuster. Now, this is where I kept getting frustrated and annoyed, right? Because anytime you talk about changing the filibuster, it's like, oh, you're trying to nuke it. You're trying to tear it down. It's so radical. It's so radical to touch the filibuster. And it's like, no, it's not. No, it's not. Especially what they were trying to do. They weren't even trying to get rid of the filibuster. I think you should get rid of it. I think it should just go. But they weren't even trying to get rid of it. They were just trying to change it to a talking filibuster. You know what it used to be back in the day where you actually had to get up on that floor and you had to talk for hours and hours and hours. And clearly they can do it. Kevin McCarthy did the same thing for something else. I, don't, I think it was the bipartisan infrastructure bill where he just talked for like hours, like eight hours. The people were tired. So it's like, we know you can do it. I think it has to be like 24, at least 24 hours. You have to continuously hold the floor and talk about why you don't want these voting rights. Well, you know, our besties, Cinema and Mansion were like, we can't. 
we just can't support it. And Man Cinema got up and she gave a speech where she fake cried. And she just can't support just blowing up the filibuster and making things more divisive. You know what really also pisses me off is the more divisive part, right? As if the filibuster wasn't already used for division. Anyway, okay, that's number one. And then number two, as if it's not Republicans in these states who are quite literally taking away access to the ballot box. Like, I don't get it. I mean, quite literally, when I say that, I mean... In Texas, one drop box per county in a county like Harris County that has millions of residents that also houses Houston. Yeah, where there's a lot of black people, blackity black. So you see what I'm saying? Like literally they're doing things to restrict access to voting, but somehow changing the rule to the filibuster is the divisive thing. So anyways, the point was Chuck Schumer would bring up voting rights to the floor. There would be debate. Republicans would get up and get to pretend like the only thing that we're saying we're upset about is the fact that people can't get water or like they'll read certain parts of the bill and they're like, well, what's so wrong with that? But then they don't read parts of the bill like we're going to cut the hours for early voting and we're not going to do it so people can like we're going to take away 24 hour voting like they had in harris county in texas because it's so effing big like they didn't talk about that stuff they talked about well what i mean water what's wrong bring your own water like disingenuous as usual right so what chuck was like we're gonna we're gonna debate it and then we're gonna bring it up okay we're going to bring it up for a vote. And then when Republicans basically filibuster it, we're going to take a vote on the actual filibuster itself. Now, here's the fun part. That vote only needed a majority, right? They only needed a majority to change the rule of the filibuster to make it a talking filibuster, right? And Kamala Harris was ready. She was ready to be that one to break that tie. But guess what? Mansion and Cinema just could not get rid of the filibuster. So they voted with the Republicans not to change the rule of the filibuster. And so there at that time, voting rights died. I can't put it, I can't put it any better than that. Voting rights died. And so that was that on that. Um, once again, I just think it's ugly. I think it's nasty. I think clearly the Republicans know what they're doing. They're okay with it. They know that it's racism. They're just going to pretend like it's not. And then for Democrats to have to go on the floor and say things like, we are not calling you racist, but look at the facts. Like Cory Booker, he did a great job. Like he laid out the facts. Black people have to like wait in line for like 10 times the time that white people do at some point. Like it's not natural to be in line for 10 hours just to vote. Like I don't, 
I know that that's normal some places, but it's not natural. Like it shouldn't be. It doesn't even make sense. Like he laid out all of these facts and then had to say, I'm not calling y'all racist because you know how people, you know, you know how it is. White people hate to be, you can call them anything else, but don't you dare call them racist. They hate it. They think it's worse to be called racist than it is to actually be racist. It don't make no sense to me, but anyway. So he was like, I'm not saying y'all were racist. I'm just saying, like, look at the facts. And I'm like, oh, well, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. That's some racism going on. That's some racism going on. Anyways, it's just, it's just disgusting to me. And then Mitch McConnell, he got up and he, you know, that's how he talks. And he got up and he was, somebody basically said, well, like, what do you, like, what do you make when they bring these arguments about the fact that this does restrict people of color? The the reporter specifically said people of color from voting. And he was like, well, I think it's unfounded. Number one, what? After the facts, you think it's unfounded? Number two, he goes, African-Americans have voted in high numbers, just as high as other Americans. I'm paraphrasing, but when I tell you that he absolutely said African-Americans, basically something, 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 other Americans, and the people were like, hold up. Because since when have African-Americans not been American? Hmm? Huh? Huh? Hmm. Want to answer that, Mitch? Hmm. He also didn't have an answer when uh, reporters asked him, just like Joe Biden did at his press conference, what do you stand for? Like, what are you for? What's your platform? What's the Republican platform? He had no answer. He had no answer. He said, we'll let you know when we take the house back or we take over. I, tell, tell us now. Tell us now. What's your plan? What's your plan? He ain't got a plan. They ain't got a plan. The plan is to keep the Democrats from doing anything that helps people. And if there's a way that they can help people with money, they're in for that too. But they don't have no plan. They don't have no plan. So, disgusting. As per usual. And I don't even really want to be signing with the Democrats because they have gotten on my nerves too. They all get on my nerves. Everybody has been getting on my nerves. When I tell y'all I have been sick of these people, sick, sick of all of them. But I'm not one to both sides certain things. Like we know one side is specifically trying to take away people's voting rights. Like Democrats are annoying. They don't know how to put together a message and that really grinds my gears because it's like just get together on something like get a unified message together they don't know how to do that but at the same time they're not trying to take people's rights they're not trying to take abortion rights they're not trying to take voting rights like it's not the same although they're all annoying anyways moving on to the last part of the show where I have to tell you guys about what's going on with this one six comedian baby it's been some mess let's get started okay 
So we already talked about in previous episodes how there was like a hearing. So the January's and the one six committee, they got together. It was supposed to be like this big group, a bipartisan commission, and like Nancy Pelosi has somebody work with somebody from the Republican side on Kevin McCarthy's side. And then Kevin McCarthy had put together all these demands and then they met every demand. And then when they met every demand, Kevin McCarthy was like, no, it's a partisan witch hunt. And then Nancy was like, well, I'll have no choice but to put together a committee of actual Congress people. And here are the rules. And I'll allow Kevin McCarthy to pick Republicans. And Kevin McCarthy picked Jim Jordan and another guy who were definitely Trumpers who would have just made everything foolish. And Nancy was like, no thanks. I don't want no part of that. They can't be on it. And then Kevin was like, well, if you don't want these two, now I'm taking all my picks. And Nancy was like, I mean, if that's what you want to do, okay, I'm going to ask Liz Cheney and Adam Kissinger, who are like the only two Republicans who are anti-Donald Trump. And they were like, absolutely. It'll be the honor of our lives to get on this committee. Now, once again, I'm not fanning for either of the two. Both of them voted against voting rights and everything else that Biden's trying to do. Anyways, they got the committee popping. Uh, Liz Cheney is the co-chair. Benny Thompson is the chair. And baby, they've been doing the work, okay? Now, Despite the fact that Donald Trump was going back and forth in the courts trying to keep documents from being seen by the committee through his quote-unquote executive privilege, uh, we watched court after court after uh, appeals panel be like, no, you don't. Because here's the thing. The committee was like, we want this stuff. And... Donald Trump was like, no, you can't have that executive privilege. And Joe Biden was like, sure, I've waived executive privilege because I'm the executive. And the court said the same thing. Like, there's not two executives. There's one executive at a time, and that's whoever the current president is. And the current president has already said there's no executive privilege here because he's waived it now let me let me let me run it back on any given time this would be privileged information executively but the current executive looked it over and said no thanks no ma'am no ham sam this is not protected send it to the one six committee the former president was like, nope, you can't do that. I'm taking it to the courts. And he did. And he went to the first judge and she said, no thanks. And I'm going to tell you why. She says specifically, presidents aren't king and plaintiff is not president. Baby! I chuckled. So then it went to the appellate court where the beautiful Judge Kintanji Brown is uh, serves. And they had to have a go at it, right? Because they were like, well, listen. The judge says here that there's only one executive at a time 
and that's the current president. Can you give us something? Like they were asking Donald Trump's lawyers, can you give us something to tell us like why you think that this man who's not in this office anymore should have any privilege when the guy who is currently in office has already said that the privilege is waived? They ain't had no good. They ain't had no good. So the appellate court was like, we're no, we're not going to uphold you, what you claim is executive privilege, like the current president has spoken. And then it goes to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court, too, was like, no, nope, no. Nope. And I think that is because it was written in such a way. It was like they really didn't have. like, And I think the judges and everyone who got it before them were very intentional in laying their decisions out in the way that they did because that kind of gave a Supreme Court cover, but also like no other way to look at it. Like they had really no other way to go about it than to be like, this is just is what it is. Like you're not the president. You can't claim privilege. Now, the funny thing is that one justice dissented. I'll give you a quick guess. Tell me who you think. No, it wasn't them. It was Justice Clarence Thomas. Now, that did not go well with the people on Twitter because they were like, that's very interesting that Justice Clarence Thomas would dissent on the executive privilege of the items coming from the National Archives because his wife, Jenny, that's Jenny with a G, um, was actually one of the people who is said to have like spent money on busing people to um the Capitol the day that one six occurred, and also she just recently signed a letter with a bunch of other people calling for the GOP to expel Liz Cheney and Adam Kinziger. So follow along with me. The people are like, that's really interesting. What's Justice Clarence Thomas hiding? Like, he should recuse himself. I agree just because he's a terrible person and for no other reasons, honestly. Anyways, so now the committee has those documents. 700 documents or pages. I think it's 700 documents, so clearly more pages than that. Um, But in the meantime, they had been subpoenaing witnesses and so of course like the closer heavy hitters like Steve Bannon who they subpoenaed he did not um he did not come in for that subpoena so then they did the vote and all of that and they charged him with criminal contempt and then they sent it to the DOJ and it took about three weeks and then they were like yep that's criminal contempt we're gonna charge you let me run that back the 1-6 committee didn't charge Steve Bannon. The 1-6 committee basically comes together and takes a vote on whether they should refer criminal charges. And then once they vote yes, which of course they all did, they send it to the House, which has the majority, and they do the vote, and the House voted to uh, refer him for criminal contempt. And so then that means they go to the DOJ and they say, hey, 
we think this person should be charged with criminal contempt and here is why. And then the DOJ has to make that decision. So the people were really are Merrick Garland's behind. I mean, they have been and continue to be because they feel like everybody should be in jail and he should be charging everybody. But they were all his behind because they were like, are you going to charge him or not? So it took three weeks and then finally Merrick Garland came out and was like, we are for sure charging him with criminal contempt. And baby Bannon loved that, honey. He went to the courthouse and he, we're going to fight it to the death and like all of that stuff. It's time for war. You know, more rhetoric that actually calls one six, but whatever. I just am the girl who be watching TV. So anyways, they did that with Steve Bannon. Uh, Mark Meadows was also subpoenaed. It was, uh, so many people have been subpoenaed. I'm going to run through everybody I can't remember because it's been a while. So Mark Meadows, uh, Steve Bannon, Kaylee McEnany has most recently been subpoenaed and actually gave a uh, her testimony or had an interview virtually with the committee. Um, so many people have been subpoenaed. Now here's when it started getting fishy because they they say that for every like four or five people who have been subpoenaed that do not cooperate, there have been like hundreds of other people who have come in voluntarily and gave their statements. Some people feel like they have to be subpoenaed, uh, like to give them cover, like to say like, I don't really, you know, I want to talk to y'all, but I don't really want them to know that I volunteer so like subpoena me because you know some people are not like Steve Bannon or Mark Meadows where like they're lower below the ring people and like they know that the former president's not really gonna help them out so they're like you know I'll ask you your questions just subpoena me so you have people who are friendly uh they send out friendly subpoenas but then they're like the hostile people like uh Bannon so Meadows was like Right around the time of Bannon, I don't know if it was like the same group of subpoenas because they kind of been sending them out in bunches, but it was very close. And so it was back and forth between like, is he going to, right? Because it's interesting now, remember I told you, the former president was saying that he had executive privilege, but now the Supreme Court is like, he don't have executive privilege. And it's funny because Steve Bannon was like, well, I'm not going to talk because those were executive privileged conversations and the Supreme Court is like haha don't have that so I'm interested to see how that goes his trial is until July so then there was Mark Meadows now Mark Meadows was an interesting character because it was like at first it was like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna you know go in and talk to you guys and then that turned into okay I'ma come in and also I'm gonna send you this stuff and then that turned into I'm not gonna come in but the issue is that he had already sent in all these documents right and text messages and stuff like that they also say that mark meadows had like a burner phone or two and it's like why would you why would you have burner phones and that also he was like sending out communications on gmail but you know what's really funny is that hillary clinton had emails too and they made that a big deal and nobody said anything about everybody else in the former administration using their email anyways so mark turned in all this information all these documents all these text messages and that really was enough like to be fair the committee was like we want to ask you questions about this information but the information he sent was like very damning already because he, they had text messages of like People reaching out to him saying like the president has got to stop this. And you know what was even funnier? 
Liz Cheney reading the text messages and then like saying who said it. Oh my God, baby, Laura Ingram, all of Fox News was reaching out to Mark Meadows saying like, he's got to stop this. We need help. And to the point where it's like, you know what, Sean Hannity. Sean Hannity has popped up quite a few times in these documents. We need to subpoena him. Girl, when I tell y'all, it's been wild, right? So you see Fox News saying like, hey, like this is bad. He needs to shut it down. But then like hours later on the same day, they're on the news like, what? It wasn't that bad. Crazy, right? So thanks, Mark Meadows, for that information. On top of that, they were already, you know, subpoenaing the phone records of like so many people. And, you know, they were like trying to say that that was not a good thing to do. And people were trying to sue for their phone records and stuff like that. I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's not going to go anywhere because they have subpoena power. So at this point, they have currently subpoenaed. And I think they got the phone records of Donald Trump Jr. and his girlfriend, which is interesting because on the same day, Donald Trump Jr., the president's oldest son had to text Mark Meadows and say, hey, can you like tell dad to shut it down? Because he couldn't even contact him. He couldn't even get in contact with his dad. Like that's how sad it is. And then on top of that, now they're trying to get Ivanka to come in because there are text messages that show that everybody was reaching out to her like please you have got to do something like we believe he'll listen to you you gotta talk to him like crazy right like nobody could get up with this man like people were like well I'm, I'm like this is to me this really sounds like this man was like I'm gonna shut my phone off and I'm gonna have I'm gonna watch this and have fun so anyways, yeah, and then uh, his former, I don't know if it's his press secretary or someone, in, she was like the communications lady. She actually worked for both the former president and his wife. She basically came out and said that, you know, when everything was happening, I don't know if you guys recall, uh, Melania Trump was doing um, a photo shoot for rugs in the White House. And... um. The lady, her name is Stephanie Grisham, and she was like, I reached out to Ivanka, and I texted her, and I was like, hey, girl, like, it's going down. Do you want to at least get on Twitter and, like, say violence is wrong or, like, you know, denounce the violence? And Melania texted her back, no, period, and continued doing her photo shoot for the rugs. So it's just, it's a lot coming out. But anyways, this lady also said that she, even though she wasn't physically in the White House, she has knowledge that he was watching what was going on on the TV and he was having the time of his life. And another person with a firsthand account told the committee the same thing. So now we're getting to the point where they're like, okay, if the former president was aware of what was going on and we're very sure he was and he didn't do anything to help and he gleefully watched. At this point, this feels like a, a dereliction of duty. And maybe there's like some criminal charges for that. So like now they're starting to throw out, you know, plausible things, I guess, that they could use to charge him. 
On top of that, there's also still like all of these people who are being sentenced for like storming the Capitol. You have people who the DOJ actually just started charging people for sedition, which you had a lot of people like Tucker Carlson. If it was an insurrection, why has nobody been charged with insurrectioning or sedition? And then DOJ was like, haha, guess what? They're the charges. And now it's like, oh, they're just charging people with whatever. Anyways, can't keep up. So you have to realize that we got the 1-6 committee who is doing their investigations. You also have the federal investigations that are going on that are separate of the DOJ. And then now you got the DOJ charging people based off of what they're finding out from these other investigations. So it's going to get crazy. And I'm saying that because... I don't know how much longer it's going to take for them to keep like talking to people and compiling witnesses and stuff like that. But they have decided that the hearings that they have for this are going to be prime time. Meaning, no baby, you're not going to be at work and you're not going to have an excuse that you couldn't watch because you was at work. They are having them in the evening so that you can catch them on the news as it happens while you eat your dinner. Because they want everybody in the world to see. Now... Do I think that's going to change the minds of those people who are flat out 100% for the president? No, I don't think so. Those people don't believe anything. They still believe he won the presidency. They still believe that President Biden is like in a fake movie set pretending to be president and that the real president is actually running things but then you ask them if you blame him for what happened in afghanistan or what's going on with covid they're like no and it's like well who's really in charge i don't get it i don't get it, it doesn't make sense you biden's not in charge but you blame him for the bad stuff that doesn't make sense anyways i still think it's going to be good for the american people to see on their televisions what actually really is going down and what happened so I'm really excited about that because honestly, truly, you know, I like a good um, investigation. I like when the pieces come together and it, it seems like there are the pieces are coming together, especially with the phone uh, records that they've gotten. And now they have those uh, those documents. And, you know, what's also really important is that they really wanted to see the video because remember when the former president came out hours later and put out that video and he was like, you guys are fine people and I love y'all. Apparently there are like outtakes. They they had to record that video over and over. They said that's why it took so long because he kept saying stuff that he should not have been saying. So apparently they're, they're hoping that like the outtakes of that video are going to be included in the documents. Honestly, Trey, I just cannot wait to see what they find because... I'm not going to say that I like mess, but I like when the mess is exposed. So we'll see where that goes. Good luck for those guys because the Republicans have basically already said that if they get back in control uh, after the midterms, they're probably going to get rid of the whole thing. So they need to work fast and they need to work efficiently. I'll say that much. And, and, Adam Kinziger is not running for re-election. I think one or two more of the people on the committee are also not running for re-election. There's a lot of people not running for re-election. I think they're tired. And I can understand why both Republicans and Democrats alike. I can understand why. So, we'll keep an eye out on that. Maybe we'll go live and we'll all watch it together and see the shenanigans. 
we'll have to see what happens. But anyways, that's what's going on with the 1-6 committee. And I do want to make really quick, give you guys an update on what's going on with the former president and his personal legal troubles, because those are many. So also this week or last week, it was this week. I can't even get my weeks together. Also, Letitia James, baby, before she wrapped her hair up for the night, she sent out some tweets letting us know that she was submitting documents or information to the courts so that they could formally subpoena uh, Donald Trump, Donald Trump Jr. and Ivanka, and I th and think maybe Eric, but he's doesn't usually seem important enough for anybody to want to talk to, but maybe him too. So basically what happened was, right, she's still working on this civil investigation into whether like he lied on his tax information, like if he overvalued some things but undervalued others or vice versa to get like different uh, types of benefits. And, you know, she's been working on that for a long time. So Finally, she was like, hey, like, I'd like to talk to the former president's children because from what I'm seeing, the information I got, like, they would have beneficial information. And they were basically like, no, ma'am, we're not going to do that. So they did, you know, the legal thing that I'm sure their father taught them to do in which they uh, filed like some kind of a motion to get a judge to be like, no, they don't have to do that. And Letitia James was like, oh, all right, bet. So Letitia James was like, here, I have significant evidence showing that there was some illegal stuff going on. And I need to talk to these people so we can get down to the bottom of it. So I guess we'll see what the judge says on that. But it was just enough for most people to see that she was basically saying like she has significant evidence that they were doing fraudulent activities and i was like well child if you got the evidence you got the evidence like i can't be mad and then after she wrapped up her hair to go to bed about a day or so maybe two days later the da for fulton county now if you recall fulton county was uh is the county i think that has atlanta could be wrong but i think so and um that was one of the counties where Donald Trump and his team were pushing back because, you know, all the places where black people voted, uh, they were questioning. But remember, he also called the secretary of state of Georgia and was like, I need you to find me votes. So this D.A. has been investigating that for a very long time. And I remember reading an article like a few months ago. They're like, it's going so slow, but she's working hard. Well, honey, she has just requested a, a grand jury for that. Now, grand juries, I think I've said it before on the show, um, are just kind of like short term. I don't know. Like, it really depends on how long. Uh, they are seated. Sometimes it can be like one month to six months, I think. So the grand jury, uh, she has requested to come in for that case. So I think that that might be getting closer to uh, some point where we'll see some action with that. We also have the, <laughs> the civil cases that were brought against the former president. 
basically blaming him or saying that he's culpable for the events that occurred on 1-6. And that, that's like three different cases. One of them, uh, Democratic Rep Eric Swalwell is, uh, brought against him and like Mo Brooks and then others. And I told you they're using that uh, KKK statute. It was basically the statute that was made years ago um, against like, the KKK and people who were intimidating others, like using violence, um, to the point of like intimidating them from voting and stuff like that. So all of this is wrapped up and they just started, um, doing basically hearings on whether or not the former president could be held culpable because at that point, then these, um, these lawsuits can go forward and they'll have like court dates. So, I mean, he said he's going to run in 2024. Apparently, you know, they're saying that he will definitely run <laughs> if there are um, cases against him that he could most likely probably be charged for or go to jail for. So they say he'll really run then. I mean, we already know that he's been using the threat of running to collect money probably so he can pay his uh bills we also found out that the rnc the republican national committee or convention has actually been paying some of his lawyer fees now if democrats were doing that the people would be i mean just burning stuff in the streets but that's what the rnc is doing for the former president and somehow people are just like hmm, okay cool and then we also found out this week that with Rudy Giuliani as their leader, seven states had filed had filled out information with fake electors. Now, if you ask them about it, they say no, they're not fake electors, they're alternate electors because they believe that they were gonna cause enough hullabaloo on one six that Mike Prince would have been like, okay, let's send these back in these states. And then they would send the the quote unquote alternate electors. I don't know why they thought that. I do know why they thought that. They said that that's part of the uh, Electoral Count Act and that that's a valid way to do that. I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm just saying that looks really fishy. And the former president was obviously included in that. So, baby, I feel like we've gone over a lot in this episode, but uh, there was just so much that happened. There's so much I missed. There's so much I couldn't even pack in this episode. But those are the biggest things that are going on right now. Um, And yeah, we'll keep following them as usual by we. I mean me. So, Thank you guys for tuning in to another week of Did You Hear the News? As usual, you can follow me on Facebook and Instagram. I haven't really been doing much on Instagram, but now that we're back and rolling, we'll keep it up. Uh, Facebook, once again, every Monday through Friday, I'm giving updates unless it's a holiday or I need a week off and I'll let you guys know in advance. But thank you, thank you, thank you so much for tuning back in to Did You Hear the News? Let's get this year started off right. Woo!